All right, everyone. All right, everyone. So we're getting started today. And uh, basically, you know, welcome to 2021. Welcome back to Advent Next. Uh, this week, we're just going to be talking about uh, a lot of things that have taken place this last past year, but just even personally with my own devotional walk. I know we've been interviewing a lot of people, but I think I want to take some uh, different podcasts where we can just kind of slow it down, do some digestion, and really go through, you know, what this last year has been for me emotionally, spiritually, and I'm pretty sure it's been a similar journey for you all. And so, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and drop this introduction and we'll get right into it. All right, so welcome back to Advent Next. This week, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of things happened this week. Uh, the inauguration, I think one of the, you know, most memorable moments is the Bernie Mittens, right? I love these memes. So I think these make me so happy because I feel like this uh, truly represents kind of the attitude that we're all feeling. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's the inauguration, but like 2021 still happened and we're still all pretty upset and I still have to go do laundry and run a couple errands. And I just, <laughs> I love this because I think this is the attitude and this is the mood of, uh, I was told there was be, would be bagels. There was another one that I loved that says, you know, this could have been <laughs> sent to me in an email, which I think, yeah, feels like a long year for all of us. And uh, so one thing that I want to just kind of get into and to talk about is, uh, you know, I want to pull up some of my notes. Again, this is going to be live. I'm going to be doing some live broadcasting uh, from now on, but I want to talk a little bit about mental health. Now, I'm not a mental health professional. Uh, you know, right now I'm in the seminary, I'm doing my MDiv, but I often, you know, think about the intersectionality between our spirituality, between our physical health and our emotional health and our mental health, right? And I think that's a really important, you know, uh, intersectionality. And sometimes I feel like we can be uh, overly spiritual to the neglect of things that are human, right? So we, are a, we have a body, right? We are the sum total of not just a spirit, but a mind, but, you know, a, a, the physicality of our being. And I don't think that God is asking us to bypass those things, right? You know, uh, sometimes, you know, it's great to pray. It's great to be in this relationship with God and to have peace that surpasses all understanding, but still need seven hours to eight hours of sleep a night. You still need to eat while you, we still need to be exercising, you know, maybe even taking a, a, a bath every once in a while, like a bubble bath, not like a shower. I'm sure you all do that regularly. Um, but just kind of ministering to the senses and ministering to the body and ministering to the limitations of who we are and where we're at. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about this because I think Everyone in 2020 has had a lot of alone time. Maybe, maybe not, right? Like if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're just a parent who now has to stay at home and homeschool your kids, you probably didn't get a ton of alone time. Uh, but there are some people out there, uh, like myself, who I've had a lot of alone time, a lot of time to reflect, a lot of time to reevaluate, you know, my path in life. And it was a very existential year. <laughs> and it might have been for you as well. And so I think no matter what walk of life that you're in, a lot of people took some time out to just reorientate themselves, 
reorientate their values, reorientate their trajectory in life to say, am I moving in the right direction? And I just also want to, you know, take a small pause because I think that there was also a lot of trauma that happened this year. And, you know, some people thought that this pandemic was going to be two weeks, right? We all thought we'll go back to normal in two weeks and it has been forever. And with the stress of just the former presidency and all of the kind of riotous actions that that has brought about, you know, it's impossible to have not been affected at some level in your mental psyche, right? And whether that is, you know, diving deeper into depression, I want to share a couple statistics. Um, I think it's from the American Psychological Association. And I think that they pretty much, you know, they describe that people have really been affected by this pandemic. It says nearly one in five adults, 19%, say that their mental health is worse than it was this time last year. Uh, by generation, 34% of Generation Z adults report worse mental health. 21% of millennials, 19% of boomers, 12% and older adults, 8%. So the younger you are, the worse your mental health was. And I think a part of it is just this impact that uncertainty has. Right? When you're looking into a future that you're not sure where you can lay your foundation on, you know, it's going to affect your mental health, you know. And so it's also something that a lot of us have never been through before, right? Um, I think some other interesting statistics here, it says, Gen Z adults are the most likely to report experiencing common symptoms of depression with more than 7 in 10, noting that in the prior two weeks they felt so tired that they sat around and did nothing, <laughs> 75%. Uh, felt very restless, 74% found it hard to think properly or concentrate, 73%, felt lonely, 73%, felt miserable or unhappy, miserable or unhappy, 71% of, adult, of Gen Z adults felt this way. I mean, that's staggering numbers, right? And I, I don't think that we're all immune from that. I think that there's a lot of us uh, who have also experienced this. So, you know, I just want to say, like, if this is what you have felt in the last, you know, few months, few weeks, last past year, last past four years, whatever, like you're not alone, right? And I think it's also important for us to have grace with ourselves and to realize the effect that instability has on our mental health. But I wanted to bring you guys just a little bit of encouragement. You know, uh, this is Psalms, the be still and know verses, right? And I'm not trying to minimize what it is that people might be feeling or going through. Uh, this is just, you know, I think the question that I want to set myself up to answer is, where is God in the midst of all this? And I like to think that he's doing something collectively, right? I think that he's shaking out some foundations so that we can plant ourselves in something that is more secure. But there's also a very scary part of that journey that I'm going to talk about, which is, you know, when you're not around a lot of people and you are forced into quiet spaces and you're forced to be still, you know, 
And God is asking you to get in touch with your own voice. And you say, I don't know what my voice is. Right? Like that's a scary moment. Because sometimes a lot of the noise and the hustle and bustle of life can help us to believe that we know what we're doing, we know where we're going, and we're operating out of our own volition. When all of that hustle and bustle stops, where are we in the middle of this? And that was something I was confronted with, but I just want to read a couple of these verses, and then we'll talk a little bit about that confrontation this year. It says, you know, Psalms 46, verse 2, it says, So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Pretty dramatic, right? Like, you know, mountains crumbling to the sea, we will not fear. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and the kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here amongst us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And God dwells in a kingdom that cannot be destroyed or touched by the things that are happening in this life. And though there are, you know, though chaos abounds, the command is to be still and know. And for me, for me this year, that took on the form of knowing my own voice and knowing how I felt about a particular issue, knowing how I felt about where I am in my life and where I want to move forward to. But I think what I've, what I've learned more than anything is how to stand before God on my own two feet. Like, and this is what I mean. You know, it's not, I'm not talking about blasphemy here. I'm not talking anything crazy, but I'm talking about the fact that I'll give an example. <laughs> you know, the riots that happened on January 6th, there were a lot of people there who were fed a narrative and that they were not necessarily acting upon, you know, them working with all the facts. They were following a leader. In some ways, their will and their mind was manipulated into a particular type of action. A lot of those people are facing grave consequences now. They are now being charged with sedition. They're going to prison. And I'm sure that's not at all what they had thought was going to happen. And the person they were doing this for is not about to back them up. He's not about to extend them pardon. And so, you know, these people, I'm sure at this point, feel duped. Some might not feel any regret. You know, there's one guy who's like, you know, you know, uh, wasn't Jesus locked up? Wasn't, 
wasn't uh, all of these different peaceful protesters, but he's obviously making a wrong comparison. <laughs> but how free is your will, right? How manipulated have you been by, you know, um, by a rhetoric or by something that somebody else has told you that may or may not have been true? And how much have you maybe orientated your life based off of a belief that you had from your church, from your family, from your community, right? And have you investigated that to the level that you need to investigate it? And are you willing to take the consequences of saying, these are my choices and these are my actions and I choose with the full knowledge of what my choices are to move in this direction or that direction. And I think when things are so busy, we don't have time to think about that. We don't have time to think, what do I believe about this? And some of us are so afraid, so afraid of God, even, to feel like we can even have our own voice. So afraid that he won't give us the room or the grace to figure something out. So afraid that, that if we come to a conclusion that we might say, man, I disagree with how my church interprets this, or I disagree, God, if this is how you feel, I don't know if I feel this way. We're so afraid of our own voice. And we think that God is going to punish us because we do use our voice. And there's a clip I want to share, one of my favorite artists, Nina Simone. And she talks about what freedom is. And I just want to share that with you momentarily. Freedom for her is no fear. No fear. And how many of us have lived like this last, at least this last year, with at least some type of fear and anxiety, some type of feeling of uncertainty and fear of the future? And when it comes to God, I really don't think that he's asking us to to be so afraid of him that we hide ourselves so deeply in him that we no longer have an individualized thought and mind and spirit and heart. Because how can you relate to a robot, right? If God wants to fall in love with us, if God wants to be in relationship with us, at some point we have to have a will. Otherwise he's just moving around Barbie dolls, right? And having a pretend tea party with his stuffed animals that he's controlling. And that's not what love is. And so for me, I've had to step into the grace of saying, like Esther, going before the throne of the king and saying, I don't know if you're going to extend your scepter, but I'm going to stand before you in my own choice and my own volition moving forward. And I hope that I have grace, God. To, to, to develop my voice and to develop my mind and to develop my conscience. And at times to even disagree and to know that there is room for that with you. And so be still and know that I am God. And there are some things that we can never know until the music stops. And I think that for a lot of people, that's what this year was about. And this last past year was about, you know, spending a lot of time alone. And sometimes that's really difficult. That's really difficult. But I also want to talk about a couple other things. Um, be still a no. Um, also, I just want, 
I want to just give a shout out to people out there who have not been able to stay positive all the time. I think that there is a toxic culture uh, within the self-help industry, but also sometimes within the church that, you know, negative emotion is negative. But the fact is that God created feelings so that we would feel. And avoiding those feelings, denying those feelings, having to to not allow ourselves the full expression and the full range of those feelings and to try to stifle those feelings because we're afraid of the implications of that or we, or we need to create a certain you know, image or we want to be happy for other people. You know, Sometimes feelings are for feeling and we are supposed to learn in that moment and to sit in that moment and to be uncomfortable in that moment if need be. And so I want to <laughs> just like shout out to those who have not been super productive uh, during this pandemic and who have not been able to stay positive. And I found this interesting article that I thought was very funny. It's called, uh, it's, there's, <laughs> this is like, I realize this is what I am. It's called defensive pessimism. And it's people who actually work better having a pessimistic outlook. You know, it says don't whistle while you work. Although evidence shows that the happiness often makes us more successful by po- fostering energy and creativity, it can backfire for defensive pessimists. When strategic optimists and defensive pessimists threw darts, they did equally well overall, but were more effective under opposite conditions. And the conclusion says here, you know, um, Norum suggests that positive mood impairs the performance of defensive pessimists. When they're in a good mood, they become complacent. They no longer have the anxiety that typically mobilizes their effort. And if you want to sabotage a defensive pessimist, just make them happy. I thought that was so funny because I'm like, Lord, really? Do I need to be unhappy to actually go about my business and to actually get things done? I hope not. I hope that's not me. Uh, And also, I'm going to read this last one. Encouragement discourages. You know, some people think you just need to encourage this person. Encouragement is always great. It's always fantastic. You should always encourage people. But I thought this was interesting. In contrast, the defensive pessimist did significantly worse when they were encouraged, scoring 29% lower. The encouragement boosted their confidence, quelling their anxiety, and interfering with their efforts to set low expectations. As Oliver Buchman writes in The Antidote, reassurance is a double-edged sword. So this is a great article. It's really funny. Um, I think it definitely highlights the kind of person that I am, the defensive pessimist, but that sometimes negative outlooks, you know, for somebody to be able to look at their life and to be a little bit pessimistic is not bad, right? And, And so I think we need to get out of that mindset that only being optimistic and positive, that's spiritual. And that's not necessarily true. You know, there's a lot of people after this inauguration feeling a level of relief but are not necessarily optimistic about the future, right? That they're like, okay, you know, thank you for stopping uh, the crises, but there's still a recovery that needs to happen. And this body is still kind of on life support, right? And so just because you stop a raging fire in a home doesn't mean that there's not a lot of rebuild that has to be done. So I think that just being realistic in our outlook for the future is also very helpful and it's not unspiritual. In fact, you know, being a defensive pessimist myself, I find 
one of the greatest motivators for me is to take a ruthless inventory of my life and to find out what are the things that I'm doing that are absurd? Where am I spending my energy and not getting any output? Where am I you know, doing things that are not creating uh, or that are not gaining the thing that I hope to gain, right? How am I spending my money? Like, is my life just this cosmic absurdity at this point? And I think that that's a really important mindset to have, like that you're willing to go through that inventory, that you're willing to ask yourself those hard questions, that you're willing to, uh, I don't say like to jump tracks if need be. I think it's important you know, to not just think, well, everything's going to get better if I keep doing the same things. In that sense, optimism doesn't serve us, right? It keeps us in toxic patterns. It keeps us moving in unproductive courses. And so a little bit of pessimism, I think, is good. Another lesson from uh, from 2020. But lastly, I just want to talk about being okay with limitations. Being okay with limitations, I was talking to a friend this week, and uh, she has a family member who has some really difficult mental health issues, and it is really, really destructive uh, for their family. And I've been doing a lot of reading about mental health. Uh, It runs in my family as well. And looking at the cycles of depression and anxiety and that, you know, sometimes we don't often equate mental health as serious as we would a physical injury, right? So this person in their family, you know, they, they, they're always getting off of their meds <laughs> and going through these really difficult episodes. And it just made me really sympathize with both this person as well as the family because no one ever wants to think that they're not going to get better, right? I think the American dream, the thing that motivates us in the morning is that Things are going to get better. I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. I'm going to be better tomorrow than I was the day before. And at one point, I'm going to be able to leave my meds alone. I'm going to get better. But we would never say this to somebody who lost a leg and is now wearing a prosthetic. We would never say, well, you've used that prosthetic long enough. It's time now to run a lap without it. Right, like, Or the fact that you're not growing back a leg, that's a problem that you have. And that, that would be absurd. It would be insane, absolutely insane. And so I think what's so interesting is that, you know, we don't give ourselves the same grace to accept the limitations of our humanity. And sometimes that's a, that's a good thing, you know. I look at the ministry of Jesus and he had three years to accomplish what I would say is the most gargantuan task ever. He's going to save the entire world. Three and a half years. You would think that he would not be sleeping or eating. He would be traveling here and there. He would be gone, right? He would be so, you know, just manic in his work, but he wasn't. He had 12 disciples. So he's dividing his time with a very small group of people. And within that 12, he has an even intimate num- more intimate number. He has three. And he works very closely with the three. And then the 12. And then the larger numbers that, that follow him. 
and he worked within the limitations of humanity. And sometimes we as people try to operate as God in ways that God didn't even operate as God, right? God recognized the limitations of his humanity. And I think for us to be okay with that too, whether it's mental health, whether it's the fact that we don't have enough time, or whether it's the fact that we didn't get far enough in 2020 and in the time that we had that we thought we would. And we realized, you know what, it wasn't the time at all. In fact, it was the fact that I'm struggling to find a reason to get out of bed every morning, or I'm struggling in my relationship and in my marriage, or I'm struggling financially, and I'm just working from day to day to try and keep the roof over my head and to not go into crazy debt. I mean, there are so many reasons that people didn't get as far as they wanted to go in the time that they had, and I don't think that it's a reason for us to beat ourselves up and to make accusations, uh, self-accusations about we're lazy, we're this, we're that. Sometimes it's just we have limitations. And I think when we accept that, when we see the beauty and the miracle of what it is for God to step in and heal and do a work that we cannot do. There is no physician in the world who has made, you know, a, a paraplegic to walk. Someone who's never walked and immediately now he walks. There's no physician in the world who took an 80-year-old woman with arthritic back and strained her up. Like, that's a miracle. Or even the removal of demonic oppression. These are things that we think we can do on our own. And if anything, I think God is showing me <laughs> the importance of being okay with a dependent lifestyle of faith. And that it's no shame to ask for help. It's no shame to lean upon the God who has offered his hand abundantly to help us, right? And so I also just want to say, you know, I want to end with the Psalms 37, because I think this is very interesting. You know, there are many people who are sitting here, I don't know, you're in your 30s like me, and you're thinking, I'm definitely not in my life where I want to be. And I don't know how to get back on course. And I don't know even what my voice is or, or what I care about or what I'm passionate about or what I was specifically put on this earth here to do. And I'm trying to find the answers to these questions and I can't find them fast enough. And just the thought of it makes me depressed to the point that I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Like, if that's you, right? I just want you to listen very closely to these verses and we're going to break them down and we're going to wrap it up. It says, don't worry about the wicked. Psalms 37, verse 1. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. Don't be comparing your life to other people who are not walking in the way. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart that our greatest delight should be in our relationship with him. At the end of the day, the things that people get, no matter how rich you get in this world, one day it's going to go away. 
We can't take it with us where we're going. The only thing we can take with us is this relationship that we build with Jesus Christ. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he'll help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. I mean, he is passionate about rectifying wrong. And God says, even if the wrong done to you is not corrected in this life, I'll put it upon myself to make sure that you see justice and that justice is meted out to you on your behalf and your favor. Be still, again, that word, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Sometimes we think that our righteousness or or we're going to get to where we're going and all of the doing. There's a thing called um, action faking. And it's about people who who are fooling themselves with the work that they're doing, thinking that they're actually getting to where they want to go. Like you make business cards, but you don't actually make a sale, right? You're doing these things that make it seem like you're moving forward, but you're actually just staying busy but not making progress in the area that you want to make progress. And God says, be still. That, and wait for me, that in and of itself is a work. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. So those of you who are frustrated that things aren't moving fast enough or you don't have the answers, this is, this is my verse, by the way. Uh, don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live, peace, live in peace and prosper. And I just want to leave that with you because at the end of the day, you know, this world is going to be made new. And God is going to give his people an inheritance. And that's not saying don't use your talent and your time and your, and your wisdom as good stewards, you know, to fulfill the purpose that God has given you. But at the end of the day, if you don't get as far as you thought you would, there's no loss. If everything you do is to the glory of God, he is the one writing your story. When we accept our limitations and we say, I've done all that is humanly possible to do, and I stand before you now. He gets to take it the rest of the way. He either gets to part the Red Seas and provide a miracle, or he gets to write the story that he wants to write with your life. Paul says, I am God's letter, and you're my letters. And that, you know, We are on a stage, but it's not the stage that you think it is. It's not the Instagram stage. It's not the Twitter stage. It's not the YouTube stage. We're on a cosmic stage where cosmic battles are being won and fought, and the angels are watching your life intensely. Will they choose him? Will they accept the help in this moment that they might prevail in something that they cannot prevail in alone? Will they stand above the noise of this world and in the stillness 
of God's word and be victorious. I mean, I think that there are angels who are biting their nails. You have followers. If you don't have one follower on Instagram, you have a million followers in heaven. People are following your story. Angels are following your story. Sounds a little bit kooky, maybe. But if we take into consideration, if we believe the Bible is true, if we believe there is a cosmic turn of events happening, then it's true. And I think that we need to play to that audience. That's the only audience that matters. And at the end of the day, the audience of one, whose eyes always behold us. And so do not fret yourself if life is not going the way that you planned. God will tell his story, and it will be beautiful. So thanks for joining in, and I'm going to leave you with this outro. Check out, make sure you like and subscribe if you like this material and you want to describe to it and check the bell notification to get some of our latest updates. Uh, you know, I look forward uh, to talking with you guys. So please engage, uh, you know, comment below and I'll make sure to reply. Thanks so much for taking the time truly uh, for listening to this message.